Hello, friends, and welcome to To The Point, the home services podcast that focuses on marketing and operational solutions to help you get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Now, let's cut through the bullshit and get to the point. What's up, everybody? We've got my man, Tersh Blissett, on the podcast today. I'm super stoked to have him on here. Um, what's always interesting, Tall Paul, since I have you on here, um, my co-host, Mr. Tall Paul Redmond. Tall Paul, why don't you tell everybody how you're doing today? Because I really want to know, with that flannel shirt on, I know it's plaid, but you tell me, you look like you're feeling good today. Like, Why don't you say what's up to our listeners and just... <laughs> Share some of that, like I, that ear to ear grin you got going on. Let's. I want to feel. I want to feel so, some energy out of you, bro. Let me back you up a little bit. This is not just a plaid shirt. This is actually my favorite plaid shirt. And if you go back to Rhino's Instagram right now, and you scroll all the way back to the first Instagram post of Rhino official, you'll see me wearing this shirt at the Digital Summit because this is my favorite shirt. This makes me feel good. This is what I wear when I want to feel like a million bucks. And um, I know they're not a, uh, a sponsor of ours, but um, Gap, the tall section in Gap, you can pick up one of these bad boys. So um, this is my favorite shirt, and it is not, it's not flannel or plaid, but thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Well, yeah, you, no problem. I mean, you, you look like you're just in a really good mood today. I would, if I could give you one piece of advice, you might just want to hit that collar with a little starch. <laughs> a little floppy collar. Yeah. Okay. 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 Let's get get to it. Pipe pipe down, Redmond. You're getting a lot of control now. Okay. All right. I want to get to it because I got to introduce my man Tersh on the podcast today. Um, Tersh, what's up, brother? What's up, guys? How are y'all? Good, my man. Well, I'm gonna get. Good. I'm gonna tee this thing up real quick because I want our listeners to know um, who you are because you're not just the uh, the pride of Effingham County High School. <laughs> the fighting rebels is that what it was yeah, right? rebels. fighting rebels yep. uh which yep. is in what south georgia that's where you're kind of from south georgia right yep yeah yep. Savannah area one of those georgia gentlemen um but tersh and i met at a uh originally at a ceo warrior event up in uh jersey and um which is a group he's been a part of which you're also a mentor within that group right i am yep right. yep yep so, and a lot of it comes from your history in the trades and, um, like the things you've accomplished in the trades. Well, the purpose of this podcast is to, is to touch on that, but you do it in such a unique way, which is what has intrigued me because you have this like remote, um, service model. So the name of this episode being, can a remote service company really work? Um, I think you've proven that it can. So, um, I've never had this come up before until you and I talked about it. So it's always kind of had my wheels spinning because we work with so, we work with so many contractors across the United States and Canada, and I don't know of one of them that's a remote company. <laughs> so well, cool. So I can't wait to dig into this and have our listeners. I mean, you never know, dude. Like you might set a trend here, bro. Like I don't know what can come from it, but I, you know, I have. I've got my uh, feelings on it from just from the little amount that I know on how it actually functions, but I cannot wait to dig into this with you. So what I want to do to tee this thing up and um, is just to, to have you share a little bit of your, your background and your history and kind of your come up. And I'm always interested to hear how everybody gets into the trades because I feel like more often than not, a lot of people didn't mean to get into it. And now here you are kind of like myself, like I had, 
no interest. It wasn't even on my radar to get into this super sexy industry called heating and air conditioning and plumbing and electrical. But I'll be damned if I'm not here 12 years later. So, dude, if you would, if you would share the story on how you got into the trades and a little bit of your history, just so our listeners kind of have an idea of why, you know, you're, you're on this podcast. Fire away, brother. Yeah, absolutely. So I appreciate, first off, I appreciate y'all having me on the show. Uh, I'm super honored, totally. And uh, to follow up some of the guys that have already been on the show, that's some, that's some big shoes to fill. You got your, you got your <laughs> but, hand. work cut out for you, brother, but you got it. Yeah. No pressure. No pressure, right. Um, so I graduated high school in 02, but I joined the military in December of 01. So right after 9-11, I actually joined the Air Force. Uh, I was a TACP. And, uh, so we called in airstrikes and so it was a life expectancy typically, well, back when I was in, it was about 18 months for that career field. And you thought that so, sounded like a good idea? Oh, it sounded like a, an amazing idea, <laughs> especially since I scored, I only missed three questions on the entire ASVAB. So Damn. I should have been sitting in an office somewhere, but instead, I don't know, I, I signed up for the worst career field ever. I mean, it's not the worst, it's just the least likely to survive <laughs> in the airport. Anyway. Now, were, anyways, were you, so you're married to, to Julie, but were you and Julie together then? No, no, no. So she's from Columbus, Ohio, and we actually met. Oh, yeah, yeah. She went, <laughs> she went to the Ohio State University, but uh, she was down in Savannah training for the military. She's in the Air Force. She's in the Guards still, and uh, she's been there for 12 years. She's a captain. And she was training in Savannah. We met at a bar one night, and it was like my last time going to that place, her last day of the deployment. And then six months later, we were married. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, crazy how that, that happens. But And she's an integral part of the business, the entire business process also with us. I mean, she really makes, makes shit happen for sure. But, anyways, I got out of the military. Um did a couple of jobs here and there, uh, did a little bit of school in college, uh, went to school for psychology. Um, then a friend of mine, he, we were car buddies together. I have lots of cars. We talked about that beforehand. We have always been into Mustangs and he was just that guy that always had the extra, uh, disposable income and for, to have cars like you, you might, you're probably better off having a drug habit than having cars, <laughs> you, you'll have more money left over. So, so, so it, did you have hydraulics on any of these cars? Cause when I hear 2004, five extra money, I'm Air thinking twisted. Air ride. Air ride. So, nice. Yes. I had an S 10 laying body on 22s. So the, the tires would come out of the hood when it would lay on the ground. But anyways, <laughs> that's back in the youth days. But, um, yeah, so he had extra money, and I was like, man, get me a job where you're at. And he was like, I can I can get you an interview. Getting the job's on you. And I was like, all right, cool. So I got a job there, and it was at a local air conditioning company. First week, they stuck me on installs, and I was like, nope. Peace. I'm out. <laughs> Not doing this my rest, the rest of my life. And so, uh, but thankfully, I didn't leave. And they were, uh, within two years, I became GM of that company. And that was in 2000 and, um, I joined up with them in 2005, could have these dates off just a little bit, but at the, at 2005 ish, I joined up with them 2007. Um, I was GM and then from 2007 to 
from 2007 for the next five years, I was in there in that company and we went from 1.1 to 8 million through the middle of the recession. Damn. And we did that, um, with Desco, which is the old, it's the old build edge back way, 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 way back before that we were doing it on stones and, and, and hammers and chisels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was, F1, F2, everywhere you went. And so uh, I, I created Excel spreadsheets and modified Excel spreadsheets to where we could have KPIs that came in every single day. So the morning of, I knew, so by 10 a.m., I knew our net profit from the previous day. And so like that's, we just watched those metrics all day, every day. Uh, the service department, when I got there, was a loss leader, and it's that way in a lot of HVAC companies. The service department loses money, and the install department makes money. Well, we, by the time I left, the service department was making uh, enough money to cover the entire overhead for the entire company, so just the service department was. And that was my goal before leaving, was making sure that that happened. And then I left, started another company, and I started it in... 14 ish. And that company, we were growing between 90 and 120% year over year. And in 2017, I started my podcast and listeners were like, Hey, like, how the hell are you doing that? Like, first off, how'd you start your company? Then how, how did you get that, that profit and numbers and stuff? And I was like, you know what? I'm a glutton for punishment. Let's start another company. So, <laughs> let's do it again. And let's again, do it all so that's what we did. We started another company. Uh, actually, I, I, I did one better than starting a company. I bought a company that was way upside down in debt and completely in shambles and have brought that company back up. Uh, and so now we're rebranding as of January 1. So long story short, we're back to making money and we're good. So, so today, I know that actually makes sense because Paul and I were just talking about about that um, brand shift um, prior to the podcast, so you ha- were the this you were the COO of Inbound, right? Icebound. I'm sorry, geez, Icebound HVAC and refrigeration, um, and so that's the one that's making it a, a change, right? Yeah, yeah. So Icebound is swapping over to Service Emperor. So the new new name is Service Emperor. Got it. Okay, cool. Saw the new website. It looks pretty sick. Yeah, so, it, it needs work, but yeah. Oh. So I want to go back to when you were, you know, back to the day after you rent, you did install and that two-year period of time when you worked for the company. What was it during that period of time that put you in the position to be a GM? And then also, you quickly started talking about software. Was software an integral part of your kind of your, your ownership and the things that have made you successful over the years? Um, automate everything. (laughs) Everything is automated. I mean, guests, when they sign on to my podcast or sign up to be a a guest on my podcast, the entire process is automated. I literally send them my link and then I have nothing else to do with the process until I click record. Um, and it's, as y'all can attest, it's a kind of a tedious process or can be a very tedious process. Um, so I've automated that and uh, when I was a service expert, service technician, it, I was very much numbers driven and I'm thankful that the owner of that company kind of seen that, that, that happened. Uh, 
I was paid flat rate, so um, piecemeal, billable hours, flat rate, however you want to call it. Um, that's how I was paid. And I did something where I wanted – so I figured out where my – where at what number the taxes really hurt me, like where my hours ta- versus taxes pay out. I figured out that fine line. It, it didn't take long, but I figured it out. And as soon as I figured that out, I had them stop paying me at that that dollar amount and started uh, giving me vacation pay. And um, so every single week, I think it was like it was 54 hours. Once I build out 54 hours, uh, everything else automatically converted to vacation pay. And uh, I did that for about a year and I had almost eight months worth of vacation built up. Nice. And so, but yeah, that was like the second year. And then whenever I, uh, that was, that was kind of our negotiation. Whenever I moved into the office, they were like, look, you're, you're training to do a new job. You're an amazing tech. You're our, our lead tech. You're making the most revenue. You have the least amount of callbacks. I averaged 3% callback. I mean, I knew my percentages. Like I, I watched my own KPS and said, we're going to lose a valuable asset. This is the same thing that I preach to everybody that asked me, like, what kind of pay raise should I be asking for when I move from a service expert to a service manager? I was like, well, if it was me, I'd give you a pay cut because you're no longer doing, you're of no value to me anymore. You were you valuable in the van. You're now, you know, you have no idea what you're doing. Not a clue. Not to mention, we're probably going to lose 20%, 30% of our workforce because whenever you go to work for your friend, when your, your friend becomes your boss, it gets really awkward, really yep. hard. And so if you didn't start that relationship out that way, it, it's, it's a tough conversation to have. So uh, that was my negotiation. I lost all of that vacation pay because he spent the next year training me and sending me to Seattle to a coach out in Seattle. And um, I went out there several times and uh, they really harped numbers with me. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm in heaven now because I knew there was something out there, but I didn't know what it was. I knew it had to be better than what we had. And we had been paying sixty, $70,000 a year, or they had been for the, for five years previous to me even being there for this coaching organization, but nobody was implementing it. And I was like, so you're telling me that all I have to do is implement everything that y'all are saying and then create, like there were some things that were like the gaps need to be bridged. Like, I, I was, I was, I didn't know it, but I was a very much an automation freak back then. And so it was like, why am I adding information here? And I'm adding information here. Yeah. Yes, it was Paul. And, uh, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. it. Like <laughs> it was, uh, very much. So it was like, you know what? I'm going to create a, an Excel spreadsheet that bridges all three of these. So all I have to do is every morning put this information in. And so then you know, I, I don't blame them at all. They're very intelligent and they're very smart for what they did, but they took my Excel spreadsheets and they sent it to all of their other people. And they're like, y'all need to start doing this. And I was like, yeah, cool. It, I was, I've seen them. I've seen your Excel spreadsheets. So that's how far they got around and you did an awesome oh, job. Well, it's, it's one of those things where it was like, um, I was young, I don't know, 21, 22, something like that. 23, maybe, uh, and I was, it was like, hell yeah. Like, that's my ego. Like that's, I did that. Like, you don't have to pay me a dollar. 
just tell everybody I did it or I don't care. You don't have to tell anybody I did it, whatever. Pat on and, the back. Uh, Pat on the back. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And so, um, it was just, a, it, that was a really cool process. And I am very much like, um, Gary Vee. I'm very much a wartime leader. And as soon as things got even kiltered out, it was like ejecto cedo. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. That, the feeling of complacency to me is the worst feeling in the world. Cause I was just having this conversation with my wife yesterday, who's also our COO, who really gets nervous when I talk about doing new shit. Um, but it's because I constantly feel like I have to keep going. Um, mm-hmm. we, we had a meeting in um, actually yesterday with a customer of ours in Phoenix, Arizona, a pretty big uh, heating and air conditioning contractor, plumbing contractor. And they were with a their previous um, internet marketing company for like seven years. And... Um, they were feeling complacent. I mean, and like something needed to change. And and even though, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, you could, you could have a great relationship with your, with any marketing company and things are going well, but you need something different. You need to try to switch it up and change it up. So complacency mm-hmm. is something that I remember. And, and, and Gary said this loud and clear to us. I mean, from the beginning is if you feel that you should be uncomfortable. Like you need to be doing something different, keep trying new stuff. And so thankfully I've, you know, not, not just willy nilly, like throwing shit against the wall and seeing if it sticks, like you want to put a plan in place, but you got to keep moving forward. And in an industry like, like yours and really even in, even mine, Tersh is there's so many of us, how are we realistically differentiating ourselves from the next guy? Cause there's all the cliche shit that you can talk about that you can do like, Oh, we give better customer service or, but you, le- what are you legit doing? Like, don't talk about it you know, actually do something with it and, and move forward. So you being complacent is like the enemy of, I think, major success. I agree with that a hundred percent. And a lot of times I get asked because of the podcast, they'll ask me at what point do you just get to like chill and it just goes on cruise control. And I said, I'm fucking hoping never does. <laughs> right. Right. Like, if, it, if it does, I'm going to probably give the company away because I mean, like, my other company, I still own it. Uh, most people don't even realize that I still own the other company. Uh, but it it runs pretty much on autopilot. You know, we have the 531. So if I get any any fives in that come in the door, I'll go take care of it. I'll handle it. I actually got to go on Friday and handle some shit with them. Yep. Uh, but it's it's not it's, – it's one of those things where it's like as soon as it got to autopilot status, like we, we, we did like – five million at 14% net, like it, but, and I don't touch it. So like, that's cool. Like that's residual income. Um, but it's not fun to me. Like there's like my, I have a business partner with that company because he's in construction and I, we were, that's how we joined forces together. Um, and he's like, Oh yes, this is perfect. Like I love it at this Cadillac stage, but he's close to retirement. He has 75 rental properties like that's like he doesn't want to deal with the wartime drama. And I'm like, I got I got to find something to, to occupy Let's my go. time and give me some more stress. I got to I got to um, I'm going to jump in real quick because you talked about your five through one strategy. And I don't know that a lot of people know what that what that is. And um, uh, so I want I, I want to dissect it real quick because it's actually a really good methodology that you're following, you're practicing. And I think what um, a lot of people will experience is 
when you started your business, you did not realize you're going to have to hire a firefighting position, but it's inevitable. So, mm-hmm. so give a brief explanation of what your five, three, one strategy is. Okay. So five, three, one, it starts, it, there's something that prefaces five, three, one, uh, that I do also. And if someone calls me or reaches out to me with a problem, they must also provide three solutions. If you call me and say, Hey, I got a problem. I can't figure this out. Okay. Okay. An employee. What's the three solutions? An employee. employee. Yeah. Team, team member, not, a, not a customer. Right. <laughs> They're like, you give yeah, me the so, solution. <laughs> yeah. So a team member, they'll call me and say, Hey, um, I can't figure X, Y, and Z out or what's the process on this. And, and I'll say, you know, what's the three solutions that you've come up with so far? And they say, well, I haven't come up with any click. Like I don't even say come up with more and call me back. I just hang up on them. <laughs> and they're like, Bye, the first time it happens. Yeah. First time it happens. They're like, Hey, I think we got disconnected. Yeah, we did click. And then, <laughs> then they, they call back again and, and then they're like, what in the world? I was like, don't call me back until you have three solutions. And they're like, okay. So that does away with 99.9% of the, the crap calls where they just want to call and chat. Right. So then this where 531 comes in. If they send me a text message, because that's the absolute best way to get in touch with me, with my team is through Slack or text message. Most of the times I want Slack, but uh, they'll just preface it with, hey, this is a five, level five. This is a level three or this is a level one. If it's a level one, it's pretty much like, hey, buddy, how are you? What'd you have for breakfast type stuff? Uh, if it's a level three, it's something that I, I'll handle the same day. I'll take care of it, but it's not super urgent. I don't need to stop. Like if, if I got a text message right now in the middle of our interview that says level three, well, I just, I'd respond after the facts. I would, you know, go let them hang out with them, call them, you know, after we got off the phone with each other. But if it came across level five, it's like, all right, guys, I'm going to have to take a break for five minutes. I got to figure out what's going on here. This is a level five. The, you know, a guy just wrecked the van, flipped the van, ran over, you know, a little lady on a walker through a crosswalk, like <laughs> whatever. We went whatever. here. That's a five. We went here. That's seven. A five. You yeah. just invented the seven. Level seven. <laughs> right. This is a so, PR nightmare. Yeah. I want to go back. You mentioned your company that was running five million in revenue with a fourteen percent net. I think I got those numbers right. Tell us about that company. I think our listeners want to know what do you mean by having this company that runs and operates profitably that you don't have to touch. Tell us about that. Oh, that's top secret. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, next question. <laughs> this, is this where you just no, disconnect? This is where he's like, okay, cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, oh, my. Like, New phone, who dis? <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest thing with that company is, uh, okay, so these, <laughs> okay, I didn't, I don't think I said this. I have two HVAC companies, electric company and a plumbing company. They're all direct competitors with each other. And I do market research between them all. In the same so, market. Exact same market. Uh, one ha- is a brick and mortar, like like 100% traditional everything, like white vans with just the wording on in the writing on top, you know, the back of it, like legit traditional air conditioning. That's the one that that is five million. It's uh, like the beer white beer can. It just says beer and black on it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just like that, but it's in green and blue. Perfect. But, and the traditional colors, yeah, exactly. Uh, only thing that we made it better if I did it in red and blue, but there's plumbing too, so we left left it green. But uh, that business model is 
very, very high volume, low margin. So watch every little thing. You don't get new uniforms every year. You don't get new vans every year. We pay cash for, you know, $10,000 vans. Uh, you're going to use the cheapest of parts. You're going to catch 12 to 15 service calls a day. Um, average ticket price is like $125 per average ticket price. Whereas, you know, Icebound, their average ticket price is 875 and they catch a max of three service calls a day with the optional option for two more if the service tech um, service expert accepts them. But those two calls are the, the client knows we charge an additional $100. The $100 goes directly to that technician's family because you're taking them away from their family. If you're willing to pay the additional $100 and they agree to catch the call, then we'll come out there tonight. So completely different mindset. Um, Whereas the other company is property managers. We have uh, 6,400 properties that we manage um, with the other company and we have it set up. We communicate very well with the property managers. So we have that the CRM set up so that the property managers can pretty much like self add based on availability of schedule and they can add, put their people in there whenever they want to. Um, and then we have this, the office people, uh, office girls, and they will keep following up. And, you know, a lot of stuff's in the cloud. It's not like Icebound or Service Emperor where we're 100% paperless, but it's we've, we did a lot in the cloud. So a lot of this, a lot of, because you've made it super clear you're very analytical and metrics driven, is, is this the reason that you were in the beginning thinking like, yeah, I can certainly make a, re a remote company work because I'm just, I just need to follow these metrics for accountability and I can follow the metrics to keep track of everything that's going on. Is that, was that like the guide into that, um, like that thought process of, of being a remote? Part of it. The other part of it was um, it really pissed me off every time I'd have to pay for a brick and mortar location, knowing dang good and well that I could do everything that I'm doing right here in this office that I have to drive an hour to come to every day from my home or from anywhere in my, with my truck, I could literally do it all, you know? And so that was part of the frustration that I was having to, uh, a lot of people. And, and so it's going to blow people's mind, but I've already got it mapped out. I can do over 10 million without an office. Uh, and that includes a warehouse at the 10 million mark is whenever we're going to start with the warehouses. And, um, I already have it very well mapped out and I've tried it and, as long as my vendor, so it relies on vendor relationships. And as long as those relationships stay as great as they are right now, I can do it. And I'll tell you a secret. Not many people will do this, but if you're in Savannah, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in Savannah, turn this shit off right now. Hold on. We have, we have clients in Savannah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. A lot of people, know, a lot of people know that we already, they already know that we do this and they just, implement it. And that's like my podcast. Like people are like, why do you share all your secrets? Like nobody's going to do this shit. Right. Like nobody's going to, you have to do it. I could tell you all day long what I do, but you, you still have to do it. Yep. Uh, but, uh, so we have many storage units all over town, all over our service area, uh, close to where people's houses are, our service experts houses are. And, 
it's a fully stocked van. Each one of the mini storage units is a fully stocked van on consignment. So every week they're restocked. And so the guys don't have to go to warehouses. They don't have to go to the supply house. Supply houses there's a, supply. there's a mini, there's a mini storage unit right there. They use the, um, they use the inventory management program that is online and automatically reorders or notifies the, the vendor that the part was taken out of their warehouse or it was taken out of the service tech's van. So they know that it's getting ready to be taken out of their, one of the local warehouses um, or mini storage units. And so as we add a service expert to another area, we don't have to like, we don't have to say now we, we service 61 miles from the center radius of Savannah. It's like we just morph into their community also because now we have a mini supply house in their community. Does that make sense? Yep. So the so service area just kind of like mutates and it's not a, a perfect circle anymore. It's kind of like got tentacles sticking out of it. And so you can like, so we also very well know who our, our avatar is. And so we can like go around people that are not our avatar and then, if that makes sense. It does. Actually, I want to, I want to touch on this avatar piece real quick. And, and, before I even get to that, do you know of anybody else that's doing it the same way as you are? Uh, no, Steve Adario has asked me about it, and so I've, we've sat down and talked a while, and he's, he says that he's going to do it so he can take over Massachusetts, but um, that's the only person that I know of. Got it. Yeah, because I had to – I mean, it's been 12 years of me in this in this industry, and I've and it's just – I've never heard of it before, which is what was so intriguing about this is trying to dig into we've those details. here now. <laughs> oh boy all right so but how much of that though was you leading the distributor to complying with what's required for your business versus you just taking some program your distributor had and saying this will work uh no like, it was 100 yeah. percent me yeah and yeah. i sat down i actually sat down with the programmers from watsco and uh we worked through it and so now you you were you were with Linux, right? Not Watsco. Uh, both. I was, but I'm pretty fam- pretty familiar with Watsco. Okay, so that all and now they're offering it for free to all of their people, and so yeah. it's called something different at every location, but or every branch, but it's basically Stock Pro or something like that, and it's it's a QR code that they that you can print out, put it in your van underneath the the technician's squat, and it's got a max min thing on it and they scan it with their tablet and so it automatically keeps track of inventory and replenishment and it doesn't have to be a Watsco only part it can come from a different vendor and we can reorder it and it'll it will reorder for us through the other vendor so early on I'm going to drop a little this is our paths have we're kind of somewhat aligned so um before I'm the CEO of Rhino Strategic Solutions today, but before it was called Rhino, it was called Brickyard Marketing when we first started the company because I started it in Indianapolis, Indiana, which, uh, so I wanted them to know I was local and the Brickyard is there, which is Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So I, I think that's where the name Brickyard come from, but also the uh, cor- Carrier Corporation headquarters is in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is how I got, where I started my journey into HVAC space. Um, at one point, talking about me always trying to think ahead is, we started building apps. I didn't know shit about how to build an app, but I thought like when the smartphones were coming out, I'm like, I got to figure out how to make apps work for heating and air conditioning and plumbing contractors. Like what could I create that would be useful? Like why would a homeowner want to say, well, why the hell do I want your, your icebound app? 
And and so I came up with a really a really good idea on how to make it work, and it was using the push notification to send automatic monthly reminders to keep you top of mind. Like that was early, early in the game. I think we built something like two, three thousand some odd apps. So when I got into that space, I got asked, I got a, a RFP request um, about building exactly what you're talking about. Was taking it to that next level of, hey, how can we use this to you know pull in schematics for you know if it, so that your technicians can be in the field and use this. I'm talking. This is probably like 2012. 12, maybe? SmartAC.com. SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Well, that's crazy because it's it's still not there, like not not where it could be. Well, it could be it could be like next level right now. Well, it was a uh, completely out of my wheelhouse. Naturally, though, I'm like, I can figure this out. Like, I'm going to get this thing scored away. So um, I started trying to find um, a partner, like an app development company that was far beyond us because it was going to take a lot of bodies and a lot of time to accomplish it. And um, and it's really hard to give an RFP when you have no idea what the hell you're getting yourself into. So it was going to have to be one of those agile deals where it's ongoing. You build it, you you add, you build it, you add, you fix. But I ended up passing on the deal because it was way out of scope for me. And it's, it's you know, I, and I've seen like different variations of these roll out and different, you know, because and people will still come and ask me if we're building apps and we don't anymore. But um, they'll ask me, people will come to me and say, I got this great idea about this. I'm like, that, that I, it, it already exists and people are working on it. Like you got to know what you're getting into. It mm-hmm. would, if it, and I actually thought that the virtual um, reality side of this thing was going to somehow play into this space too i don't necessarily know where it's going i've seen some cool stuff some stuff that like i'm not like super impressed by but like i think there's something there i don't know what it is but i wonder if this stuff's all coming from trying to solve the same problem yeah it is and it's uh i think what it ultimately stems back to is uh technician shortages and managing people in general and so for me i I cannot afford to lose a technician or a service expert because they're at a supply house and they get poached. Yep. That's, that's one thing. Very, that's a big thing. Um, we have a very strong culture. We actually give the guys a gift card every time they come to us with, uh, where another, um, uh, company has come to poach them. And they've said, no, we, we were like, Hey, here you go. Oh, Here's cool a idea. gift card. Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, we have a really cool culture, like with that type of stuff, but, um, and then you say, it, give it, me the it, name and the number of this person that posted. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> I have no doubt. I do because one day they'll work for me. <laughs> and, uh, so it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's all in, and I, I get it. Like it's, we get, at least five, usually closer to 10 applications a week uh, organically for service experts uh, that are in different areas and just trying to get at, you know, come to our team, join our team and stuff. But 
I mean, we do things really different. Like we do things very different than most people. Uh, Culturally or operationally? Everything. Everything. So I took all the seats out of all the vans and put beanbags in for the guys because we're all millennials. So <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Weird. Have you been to this office? I completely bought that. Like, <laughs> we do that. <laughs> and we have foosball tables that slide out the back of the vans. So like when they're bored, you know, no, it's, it's, it's legitimately like we buy all their tools. We provide all tools for all the guys all their training. Like we send the guy, we send our entire team to New Jersey constantly several times a, a year. Um, I'll be there in two weeks again. Paul, um, Paul will be there. Oh, will you? I'll see you there. Cool. 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 I'll be there. And so, uh, so we do that a lot. We, their vans and, and, and I got this one from Larry. Uh, it, if after 10 years of being with us, their, their vans are theirs. Like personally, we give it to them. Uh, and so not that anybody wants to like rock around the Paul does band work as a <laughs> all day. All day. Door. <laughs> yeah. Well, yours is probably a little less creepy than ours because <laughs> I would have the windows in them. <laughs> so, like you slide you'd be surprised. and then like the kids jump out or somebody jumps out and you're like, I don't think that's legal, but whatever. But it, it's just little stuff like that. I mean, we, the Savannah bananas is a minor league baseball team here in town. Uh, our guys get tickets to the air conditioned section of that whenever they want game, you know, and it's just, just stuff like, I mean, just everybody does little things for their team, but we just, we really try to do it above and beyond birthdays off paid. Um, so the problem is, is I've, I've had this conversation before and there's so much that we do that nobody else does that I forget that we yeah. do it. And then whenever they come on board, they're like, what the hell? Like, why are y'all? Why y'all do this? Why are y'all doing that? Like, yeah. why are y'all giving this away? And so, yep. yeah, that's, we wouldn't be able to do that stuff if we didn't watch the numbers too. Yeah, sure. So it's a, it's a, a st- still a strategic move. So, which makes perfect sense. You gotta, ha- uh, you have to do that. Um, we, we, we bought into the virtual reality stuff too. So we got a lot of green guys that we had one guy that was a mechanic, a diesel mechanic. And then within a month, he was able to catch maintenance calls. So cool. And, that's what's so cool about the virtual reality. So I've had the opportunity to look at, and obviously I don't know shit about working on air conditioners or furnaces, but I've been able to at least tinker around with those things. And it is pretty damn cool. Like it's pretty neat. And I, and I thought at one point about, you know, maybe potentially investing into something like that um, with somebody or just me maybe helping with capital or something like that. But cause I was intrigued by it, but it is cool, man. Like, I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely growing. It needs some it needs some growing to do. Uh, I interviewed Doug, the um, the founder and CEO of Interplay, uh, last week or week before last. Really, really great people, and they really are interested in improving the the program. And they so like three years ago, they said it would take like a month to two months for a program to be like just started. And it would take like six months to a year to actually create the whole course. Now they're pumping out the whole course in a month. So like they're, they're bringing on more trades and everything. So it's, it's just, it's really cool concept. And, and it's like anything else. It's just growing super fast. Paul, you had something I could tell you're itching to say something. Yeah. So you've got me thinking this whole like micro distribution thing you brought up earlier has me thinking about the future of contracting and just the future of the industry. It's not new that a consumer can buy a part online and then call around and have someone install. That's not new. And either is the response of contractors who are like, well, we're not going to warranty the part. 
But the reality is, like, those worlds are colliding, e-commerce and what we do, right? What's your stance on that? Not necessarily your stance, but what's your perspective or thoughts around that world, how to be prepared for it uh, when it comes? If somebody's purchased a part online, call me. My number is 912. <laughs> I have no problem at all. And, and, and I've so there's a there's a program called My Easy Install. Chris Rush, he developed it. He's partnered with these websites to provide uh, a legitimate licensed, bonded, insured contractor to install the equipment that they're buying off of these websites. And he's letting them know, look, this isn't going to be a $500 job. Like you're going to pay three, four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 for labor. Like th that's, so he coaches people to take the, the margins you were going to make off the products, put it into the labor. Like now it's like, okay. And the miscellaneous materials and that, that type of stuff. And so there's a lot of stuff that people don't, take into consideration, did they even size it properly? Is the, the old system the right size for the, the house? Like, was it sized properly when it was installed? So those things are taken into consideration. And I, I'm right there with them. Now we're partnered up with warranty companies too. So I'll, I'll give you a 10-year labor warranty and get you a 10-year parts warranty on a product that you purchased from somebody else, and I'll still make hella profit on it. So I want to ask, Got it. I want to ask this quick question too, because I, I don't want to skip it and, and we're kind of starting to segue into something else, but we've talked about all the unicorns and rainbows of the business. Like what's some of the cons you've had to come across? And it could be something that's you've taken Hold and through. turned back into something good, but let's talk about like, you like shit, like this, this, this is something I got to figure out. Like, so share some of those too. Yeah, totally. So accountability and culture. Yeah. You're not, you don't have the office. You don't have the guys in the office every single morning, you know, sitting around the table, filling out the invoices from yesterday, shooting the breeze, creating that camaraderie. So you have to be very intentional. We have a monthly breakfast where we all come and hang out and I pay everybody for like two hours to come and basically build that camaraderie. Uh, that's something that I just have to bite the bullet and pay for the breakfast, which is always hundreds of dollars of course, and then yep. pay the, the payroll for, you know, for everybody to not be making money, lose the revenue from them not working, you know, and it's just an intentional, you know, side of things. That's the, that's the biggest thing, but we do zoom all the time. Like we have every Thursday morning at 8 AM we zoom. Uh, and so we're the guys, I mean, we all see each other constantly. We all communicate constantly. Uh, it's just a different way of communicating. And so like millennials, we all got a bad rap of not wanting to be on the phone anyways, <laughs> not wanting to hang out with anybody anyways. Like we want to be on our cell phones. So like, we just like kind of took it and ran with it. We just, we use Slack and we communicate with Slack that the communications program and, um, or app. And so, we're able to track stuff. And so it has different channels and we're able to track whether it's a marketing question, a install question, whatever. And so that's, that's all we've kind of overcome those challenges, but that's the same challenge that anybody that I talk to about it, they're like, how do you build camaraderie? Like, how do you, how do you know that so-and-so's family's having issues? We talk constantly. You have to be intentional in talking uh, and, and uh, communicating through Slack. And it's, it's easy to overlook things too. Whenever, whenever you're, they're only on Slack or something like that. It's easy to scroll past something that's like, oop, we missed something. We we should have really dove into that. But 
right. kind of being right. intentional with that. And then my wife, she's always really big on checks, checks and balances and just watching and making sure that, that if, and another thing is, is like we have the, the red, the red, yellow, green. And so like after a few minutes of being on a service call, like if, if it's been 30 minutes or an hour and there's no check-in happening, she's, she's on the ball, like sending the little emojis that's like red, the, the red light emoji, red, green, yellow. And the, she wants the technicians or the service experts to check back in and they'll, re, they'll reply with whatever color they are. And if they're yellow, like I'm getting on the phone, like, Hey, what's up, buddy? Like what's going on? If they're red, it's like, I'm on my way to you. Like what's going on? Like, cause they're red. That means they're ready to punch somebody in the throat. And so it's, it's time to go help them out. You know? Yeah. Which is kind of like your five, three, one deal just on the, uh, use it yeah, a different it's, way. Yeah. It's just a reverse, the reverse aspect of it. We just want, we're trying to pull information from those guys. That team. Yeah. So, um, I've, I figured out the gate, like culture be one cause culture, but I mean, listen, like Culture is, uh, well, you, since you consume Gary Vee's content and Gary Vee's a partner of ours, their largest, the largest part of their, of their company is their HR department, um, mm-hmm. because they're a people company. Um, and culture here is something when we, when we go back and we, we have people come in and just kind of uh, consult with our employees, always find out like what's good, what's bad. You always do this thing called right, wrong, missing, confusing to understand like where we're at, what needs to change. Um, our culture is very solid here. We're super tight. We're very close. We, I mean, we, uh, once a month, we always go and serve somewhere in the community and you know how that goes. Like I'm, you know, we're covering all those salaries, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. people to go and serve. And so, but we do it because if they want to fight for each other, they're going to continue to fight for our customers to keep us at the top of our game. Right. And so you got to pour into these guys so they'll let you know that they care because that comes full circle. So those are things that you have to do. So I was wondering how remote, like how that, how culture, that, the cultural aspect of it works. But you're right, like with Zoom, um, which is you know like a software like we're using now that you'll see on our on um, our YouTube channel is we can still you can still see everybody. And so when they talk, you get that face to face interaction. No, it's not the same as you physically being together because you can't. The energy is a little bit harder to feed off of. But you're seeing each other and you're talking. And then you get to meet once a month. So I don't think it's as far out there as it may have used to have been because you have some of this new technology. The flip side of this too is um, culture gets difficult even when you are together. So, yeah, that's true. so you know, if you figure out the processes that, that work beyond just like, you know, like gift cards here and there is cool, but you also got to, if I think if, I think the answer is if you genuinely care, yeah. I'm not talking fake that shit. Like if you genuinely care, that comes across to people. You know, yep. the simplest things can go super far in letting them know that you, you know, that you care about them, which then keeps your team, your team tight. So I want to um just for the sake of time too, I want to get into this last piece of it as well. Um, I'm gonna shift gears for a second and talk about your podcast because um one, no, let me what's that? I said, go. Okay, cool. Go Sweet. So, um, one, I want to just say thank you because when we were, when we were considering, you know, finally moving this podcast forward, I reached out to you for a lot of help and, <laughs> and, and you graciously were like responding to my texts and my messages and all that stuff and trying to give me advice because you've been doing this since 2017 for the trades as well. So, um, and I've listened to so many of your podcasts and they always have such good feedback and part of it was like a motivator for me to just like, you know, I, if I was having the same conversation, I can't remember if it was with uh, James Orsini from Gary's uh, Vaynerchuk's old CEO or who it was, but I was talking about how, uh, oh, it was Ken Goodrich from Gettle. That's who it was. 
Okay. Um, so I was talking to him about how I've had all these conversations with various sizes of, of um, home services companies over the past you know decade, and I wish I could share some of these you know back you know backroom conversations I've had, because so much good shit comes out of those conversations. Like they're dropping bomb after bomb, and I'm like trying to take mm. mental notes, but my ADHD kicks in, so I can't remember shit <laughs> except that I had a good time. Um, but I wanted to offer up the same thing. You know, but I, but listen, I've like, I've given hundreds of keynotes and breakouts and things like that through the years. Um, and I thought, man, if I could, I always feel so good afterwards because when I'm done, I get bombarded or my, or my, or my team gets bombarded with questions and things and people take it away. And, and like you said, the unfortunate part is you can talk about all this stuff. And I always talk about my, my 95 fiber, which will be a podcast episode at some point. And that is 95% of people won't do shit with what you just told them the 5% will, and those are the ones who typically succeed. But you have to, um, I think what, what has to happen in, um, in our world is y- you have to give back at some level, and, and you have to yeah. use the gifts that you've been given and the platforms you've been given. And I had this opportunity to do this. I mean, I partnered with Gary Vaynerchuk, who has a killer <laughs> podcast, So they also were super helpful in in getting us to put the scene together. But I wanted to share all these backroom stories and the, and the responses I got from all the keynotes to the masses, because Mm -hmm. as an internet marketing company for the trades, we can't work with everybody. We have a limited volume people that we can work with and that's it. So it kind of, you know, restricted us. Whereas this was a platform where we could start to share all that knowledge universally and, and I really leaned on you, man. And, and you were there for me and I appreciate that. And I'll never forget that. But a lot of it yeah. too was like, listen to you, man. Like, so the service business mastery podcast is one that you can download. He's got like 15,000 episodes or something like that, <laughs> like 400 or 500, somewhere around there. Yeah. But all these awesome topics. And so, um, I think that, and you're part of a, of a couple of different groups cause you just came back from Orlando at the AHR expo. And I thought it was really cool and indicative of where things are going because they actually had like a podcast set up. So they had, you know, multiple um, podcast um, podcasters that were there from the trades doing live podcasts. I thought that was pretty cool. So how did you, like, what made you decide to, to go down this path? Like mine was to share all this information to serve others. It's a servant mentality type of approach. What made you start Service Business Mastery? So it was pretty much the exact same thing. Uh, a friend of mine, he, Brian Orr, he has the HVAC school podcast and is really focused on service experts, service technicians, and diving really deep into the technical aspect. And basically he, he started his podcast because he was creating training uh, podcast episodes for his team, for his company. And then it kind of just spun out of control to where like, people from other companies were like, Hey, I want to, you know, I want, I want that. And I want to learn that. And so he started getting a lot more downloads and then some business owners started doing it and he didn't want to go into the business side of things. So he had me come on as a guest, uh, at of his show. And we did like three or four episodes. And then, uh, we talked afterwards and it was like, I said, you know, if you ever wanted to do a business podcast, like you do all the work and I'll just talk, then I'll do it. And, and he was like, well, how about this? Well, I'll, I'll help you get started and, and let's do a podcast together. And so he helped me get started, told me what equipment to buy, basically exactly like I did to you. And he said, um, this is what I use. This is the stuff that that's good. This, you don't really need this to start off with. 
don't spend the money on this until you know you're going to do it. Average podcast lasts seven episodes. We know that, like, as podcasters. It, it, after seven episodes, it's hard to find content. And uh, so he was like, record seven, release those, just trickle those out, and then just, you know, as those are trickling out, keep getting content. And, you know, it was traction at first. Like, the first 10 episodes was perfect. It was great. And it was just like you said it was me giving back to the community, me giving back to the industry that was giving me so much. Um, there are podcasters out there that, that generate a lot of money as far as what they get paid every month in sponsorships. And one of the commitments that I made was that I will not have a sponsor on the podcast unless they have used, I have used their product for six months and I'm allowed to give negative feedback to them about them. Like if something bad happens, I'm allowed to say this happened. I'm not going to do anything ne- like any slander or anything like that, but I'm, I can't sugarcoat everything. And if, and so that has restricted me from, from sponsors. And, <laughs> and so it was like, okay, fine. I'll do this on my own. And, and so I really had to create a, a, a schedule personally to where like it got to where like I was the day before I was supposed to release, I was trying to find content because it, I was trying to build the company so much so. Uh, but now, for the past two years now, it's been uh, every Monday and Friday, I work on my business, not in it. And then every Tuesday and Thursday, I network. If networking is available, I network on those days. Wednesdays are podcast only. And uh, it, what it does is it allows me to say no to everything else. So uh, with that, now it's very intentional. And I've gotten... So now that we're ranked, we're in the top 100 of the – we're in the top 25 of business podcasts, um, and we're in the top uh, 120 for entrepreneurial podcasts. And so now we have booking agencies. I have 47 episodes that are edited, that are recorded, edited, ready for release, but I only release one a week. So, And I think we're at like 400 and – 37 episodes or something like that. So it's, it now I have a huge backlog. So I'm gonna have to start releasing like two or three a week just to get rid of the backlog. And my, my, uh, interview calendar is booked out until, uh, the end of May. So, and it's four, four recordings every day, every Wednesday. Um, so like it's eventually it's going to catch up where I'm like, I got way too much content, but they're all really freaking interesting people. So it's like for me to say, no, I don't want to interview you. I'm like, dang. And then like Mike McCallowitz has been on several times and then I've been in his book. I mean, his book now, the book that's going to be released. So he comes on and he's like, Hey, I need this, this episode released on this day. And I'm like, ah, well, somebody's getting booted out of the way. Cause your episode is getting released when you want it to be released. And so it's just like catch 22. And then, you develop really awesome relationships with people. And so now it's almost like, it's almost like a disease where it's like, that's what I really like doing. And, and like the team at AHR Expo last year, I went and recorded live, but just walking around with a DR, uh, a dash cam, dash cam, um, DR 40 and horrible background noise. Like I, it took me hours to edit it all out. And uh, Nicole was like, man, I appreciate you. That's the girl from, HR. She's like, I appreciate all the work and effort you put into this. Like next year, we're going to create some pavilions for the podcasters. And I was like, all right, sweet. 
And then she said, well, sign up for the days. And I was like, you just pick me whenever there's available time slots, whenever nobody else wants to sign up. And then I, I kid you not, I legitimately would get there at 7.30 every single morning and then leave at 6 o'clock every night. And I only went into the AHR Expo twice. The rest of the times I was recording. And so it was just wild. And, and it was really cool because I got to meet a lot of awesome people. And then the the CEO of Field Peace, the, like all these people were coming to the podcast pavilion to meet me and to be on the podcast, which is like, what? Like, yeah, it's so cool. I'm, no, I'm just a South Georgia boy that doesn't like – I'm nobody, and y'all are coming to hang out with me. That's cool. I'm going to be honest. I was slightly jealous. <laughs> <laughs> that FOMO. <laughs> oh, man, FOMO for sure. I, I hate missing out on anything. But I'm also, you know, I mean, I'm such at the beginning of the game that I'm like, next year, motherfuckers, I'm there. Like, let's go. I'm in. Um, well, I got you. I got you if you want to be there. Um, and then it, we got ACA that's coming at, at the end of the next month, so we'll be there too. That's so cool. Maybe I can squeeze into that one. Church. <laughs> yeah. so I listened to how you plan your weeks out and you have a lot of intentionality. I got your email back today that said, hey, I only check my email twice a day. Like you are obviously a student of personal development, time management. Who are some of these resources? What are you reading? Who are you listening to? Like who's helping you frame your, uh, your professional right. life? Ari Mazel. Have you heard of Ari Mazel? He has. Uh, I have not. He has the book called Replaceable Founder. So basically, how can how can you replace yourself as the founder? And uh, it's tons of automation tools. Now, I don't know if people realize or not, but the, we post about 200 times a week, and it comes from about one hour on a Sunday. And so I'll spend about an hour to two hours on a Sunday creating content, editing content, reading content that I want to share. And then I use Zapier. And that shit just flies. And so it, it, I got about 200-ish posts every week. And people are like, man, you're posting while you're sitting here talking. That's how rude is that? I was like, what did I post? Like, I, I, don't, I don't have a clue what I posted. Like, <laughs> the biggest thing with that is you have to make sure you're replying to people because it's posting so often that uh, they would say, so, oh, I commented on your post, but you didn't reply. I'm like, mm, Yeah, then you sound sorry. like an asshole. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I know um, you gave me a ton of time, and I appreciate that, and I want to be aware of of, uh, of your time because I know you're a metrics dude, man, and you're driving to different hours and times and things like that. So I had a, a couple more questions, but I guess we're just going to have to, uh, to be continued some of this stuff. But um, I just want to say choice. to you, brother, um, man, I, like the, the you have – you went out of your way to be helpful uh, to us to help get this thing launched. We've seen some really good early success with the podcast. And, and man, I'll tell you what, it feels so good when I get emails or text messages or Facebook messages or Instagram messages from people saying, hey, I heard this and it did this. I had somebody tell me, send me a message yesterday that they listened to our interview with Jens Pulver, who was the first lightweight champion in UFC talking about his story of overcoming adversity and domestic violence and things like that. And saying that it was making her cry. And then she got some, you know, like some advice from it. And like, that's why we do it. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's no different than at Rhino. When I get a customer that says, Hey, you know, you guys helped grow us 1.8 million this year. Like there's no better feeling than getting a testimonial because that's what you're doing it for. You know, our, yeah. 
our motto at Rhino is we exist to grow your business, period, because that's it. That's the only reason I have a company. There's 90 plus people here is on this team is to grow our customer's business. Well, this mm-hmm. podcasts are no different. And you were very influential on that for us in the start of this podcast. And I want to make sure that's super clear, brother. I appreciate it, bud. Yep. Just any, any, anytime I can help anybody, I, I'm more than happy to help. So again, quick plug on Tertius podcast because it's ridiculous. And if there's any topic you can think of, he's probably already covered it. So it's <laughs> service business mastery. Um, I did know she just switched up the graphics a little bit on there, um, but you got to go download it. There's like, as he's got 400 some odd in there. So I guarantee if you start, if you subscribe to his and you go back through it, you'll find something you want to listen to. I've listened to a ton of them on plane rides. So I um, mm-hmm. appreciate your brother. You've done a fantastic thing with this remote, with this remote methodology um, of running the business. Clearly it's successful and it works. So hopefully the listeners got to take some good stuff away from this. I know they will, if they listen to it in its entirety, but like we talked about, you got to do something with it. So ambition without action is useless. I always like to throw that in there. So again, appreciate your brother, Paul, do you want to say goodbye to our boy Tersh? I want to say goodbye, but I also want to mention, um, I don't like carrying debt. I don't like debt at all. And I, I owe you breakfast. I offered once to chip in for breakfast for, he was either your team or maybe the rotary (laughs) and and that, that day came and went. So I'm on the East coast. I would love to come down to Savannah. I'll bring the fam, my kids, your kids. Let's do some brunch. All right, buddy. Sounds like a plan. Just make sure you get the top filet mignon, top shell. (laughs) Just make sure you go all out. But Paul, do not use your rhino card. You hear me? (laughs) All right, everybody. Everybody, thank you so much for listening again. And again, we're so grateful to have Tersh Blissett on this podcast. Make sure you check out his podcast because he drops bomb after bomb in him. We appreciate you, and we will see you on the next episode of To The Point. Peace. Thank you for listening to To The Point. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a review in the App Store. And don't forget to share with your friends. Till next time. Kick some ass.